good? Welcome to another episode of Fun Wit Dumb. I am here with one of my favorite new friends of You the always world. have to qualify <laughs> it. Why can't I just be your favorite friend? I don't friend? know why. It's just I just like the idea that I made a new friend that I liked cuz uh <laughs> I can never just be your favorite friend. It's always favorite new friend, favorite Chinese friend. No, it's the first of all, I don't, you know, like I don't know about you, but for me, I don't, I don't, I don't make a lot of new friends anymore. Maybe I've been jaded a little bit in that way. You know what I'm saying? And you know what it is? I think like in my industry in music, I don't go out to as much events as I used to, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't have a lot of opportunities to like do that. And then recently, as I got into your industry of writers and, you know, actors and all that. I mean, my industry too now, but like, I'm, I'm mixing, you know, I'm, I'm mixing with people and these are mixers are for that. And a lot of these Asian entertainer mixers are hot right now. That's the, yeah, there's a lot of thirst though. There is a lot of thirst. <laughs> no, I have noticed that. Yeah. I mean, okay. For, we'll go into that because okay, you're actually okay. one of the, the godmothers of this of thing, the thirst of the, yeah, of the mixers. Um, <laughs> but here, let me just intro everybody to who you are. This is my friend, Jessica Gao who is an Emmy Award-winning writer um, of um, of multiple shows. Well, Emmy is for one show, Rick and Morty, mm-hmm. correct? Correct. <laughs> God, do full research. I'm just like, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, my fr- I, I met her um, through our mutual friend, Jimmy O. Yang. Uh, she happens to write on Rick and Morty and won an Emmy for a particular episode that became a cult phenomenon, the Pickle Rick episode. Um, I'm sure you have a whole fan base based off of that alone. Yeah. Which is probably crazy. Yeah. And I think probably people watching this are going to flip out on that too. But um, congrats on that. And you developed the show on ABC. Um, shot a pilot for it. It didn't go to season. But mm-hmm. um, uh, what was it? What was it tentatively named? I know. The, it didn't have an official okay, title. Okay, okay, I know, but, but we were calling it Lazy Rich Asians. Lazy Rich Asians, <laughs> and I know you weren't like fully proud of that name or anything. But it was a joke. Yeah, it was a joke. I remember. I remember. Yeah, but it, it was, but that, I mean, like all the white executives caught on to it. Everybody and, was running with it, yeah. like straight up, dude. Every all the trade announcements were like Lazy Rich Asians. <laughs> it could have that has been Lazy Rich Asians. Like if it went a little <laughs> further, people would have been like, Nah, we like the name and. It would have happened. Um, and currently, I mean, can you talk about the thing you're working on now? Is there, yeah, is there yeah, yeah. I'm uh, running a She-Hulk uh, for Marvel on Disney+. Plus. Disney+, Plus new show, She-Hulk. Um, that's sick. Yeah. And that's like you said, that was kind of like your dream project. Totally. Too. I've been chasing it for years. I've yeah. been trying to get them to let me do it for years. That's amazing. Like, yeah. what do you mean? Were they, they were always trying to work on this project? No, what? like I'd pitched on, I'd pitched to Marvel before. And every time I didn't get a job at Marvel, I would say to the, like on my way out the door, I would be like, if you ever do She-Hulk, you better fucking call me or I'll burn this building to the ground. That's crazy. And I did that a co- oh, quite a few times. <laughs> and then when they when they made the She-Hulk announcement, I was like, those motherfuckers didn't call me. I guess I'm burning down a building. And then they called me like literally the next day. <laughs> That's so tight. That you're, so you're chasing that particular yeah. character in that project. Yeah. That's I mean, what, what, what's yeah. your attachment to this character? She's just a really rad character because she's, uh, she's this like big, strong woman who right. was a lawyer. And like she was really sassy. And she was also... Um, she was one of the only Marvel characters that um, broke the fourth wall and would talk directly to right. the reader in the comic books. You know, she would talk to like the comic book writer. She talked to the artist. Like, yeah, I mean, she did it all before Deadpool did. 
Damn. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that. I wasn't fully familiar with the comic book character, but is that kind of what the direction you guys are going with the? That I cannot say. Okay. Yeah. 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 You were flexing a little bit with this this Marvel shit when you first <laughs> booked it. I remember. What do you mean? You were just buying random shit like <laughs> Rolex watches. Oh, and talking, you mean you mean this yeah, watch? Yeah, Ro that vintage this? Rolex watch. Thank and you. I just noticed little things, Purse, purses, <laughs> you know. And then, and then, uh, you know, just talking about your parking space and shit. My parking space. Flexing of who the fuck? What are you talking about? Who flexes I a parking didn't, space? I didn't flex a parking <laughs> space. What are you talking about? I mean, but but that is a flex because I know going to a lot of studios, um, you know, you see the the premium parking spaces, and when you go for like a small role or like an yeah. audition, the parking situation kind of sucks. It gets oh, really yeah. packed. You know what I mean? So yeah. if you have the right in front of the office, it's a big deal. You you met you can measure your level of importance to the person you're meeting based right. on where they have you park. In, in like studio, that's for in real. Hollywood, yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, because you get the little sign to pick it. Yeah, sign. yeah. You got one of those. Or what? Oh. <laughs> Um, well, if you want me to flex, you know, of course I have like a, I have a reserve spot. That's tight. Um, but I mean, it's not like it has my name on it. It right. just has a number. So, you know, like I'm like the message is clear. I'm replaceable. <laughs> like so, they wait, don't need to be changing any names. Your title for the She-Hawk, what is it? Are you well, head writer showrunner? Well, is it? it's weird because like, uh, at Marvel, they kind of call like the position that would normally be called showrunner at Marvel specifically, they call them all head writer. But at any other studio, like head writer and showrunner are two different positions. Mm -hmm. Showrunner is kind of literally the person who runs the whole show. And then usually like a head writer, like most people don't even use that term. It's kind of an outdated term. Like most right. people kind of just call them a number two. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. that's what the head writer is. It's a number two. Um, but uh, but weirdly at Marvel, like the the highest rank, the top, like the writer who's like running everything is is called head writer. So it's a little confusing. Is this your first time like having that position? Or what? I've been a head writer before in the traditional, you know, use of the term. Um, but this is my first time show running. That, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And that's a big, the big role. Yeah. Fun with Dumb is brought to you by Mac Weldon. MacWeldon.com offers some of the most simple shopping experience, the most premium fabrics, and um, just this line of all the basics you can own um, with the most comfortable wear from underwear to uh, shirts, uh, plain white shirts to workout shorts. This is a thermal right here from the site and probably the best thermal I've ever owned. They even have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are natural microbial, which means they eliminate odor. And here's something that I've never seen a site do. Um, if they want you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair of underwear, you can keep it and they will still refund you. No questions asked. So your first pair of underwear is pretty much free if you want. Um, my experience with the products have been great. Um, I've put them through the test. I run, I work out and, um, and probably some of the most comfortable basics I've ever owned. So if you go right now for my listeners for 20% off of your first order, visit MacWeldon.com and Put in promo code FWD, which is short for Fun With Dumb. 20% off your first order. Visit MacWeldon.com and enter promo code FWD, which is short for Fun With Dumb. That's MacWeldon.com. M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. And use promo code FWD. 20% off. Trust me. Uh, these products are great. Okay, let me uh, go back to how I met you, I guess. Um mm -hmm. I met you through some mutual other writers to uh, Jimmy O. Yang, who was on my first episode of Fun With Dumb. Uh, and then you introduced me to your event, which is an exclusive event, a secret club 
of thirsty <laughs> Asian people in the industry. No, I'm kidding. Uh, you're, you, but you founded the AZNs in Entertainment Facebook group. Yeah. And once a month, writers, um, actors, producers, anybody pretty much in, in the entertainment industry meet up and um, mix, I guess, and mingle. Yeah, it's very chill. It's like uh, it's always at Cafe Blue, thanks to you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Don't put that on blast. It's going to be extra packed. <laughs> Uh, but it's once a month and it's just we set a time and a day and like anyone literally anyone can show up let so. me ask you this because were you all like are you into that like just organizing stuff and events like that because when I met you I didn't mm -hmm. necessarily think that would be like your style you know right. the, the person who organizes yeah, 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 these yeah. kind of events you yeah know? Um, I didn't I mean I didn't really set out to start anything it was more that I um, I I would I started going to so the WGA the Writers Guild of America which is the screenwriters union um, uh, they had this they have several subcommittees of people that that mm -hmm. can join like you know it's like the Latino Writers Committee, Black Writers Committee. So there's an Asian American Writers Committee. So yeah. I, I, I joined it. I went to a couple of the meetings thinking like, oh, I'm going to like, you know, link up with a bunch of Asian writers and we're going to commiserate and, you know, talk shit on some white people. And I went and it like wasn't like that. When yeah. I first went, probably, ugh, God, probably like 10 years ago or something, um, there was like four people. And yeah. So it was really sad. But it was still cool to like yeah. talk to other Asian writers. And then a few, fast forward a few years, and they were getting like 30, 40 people at the meetings, but then it became like structured weird where they would have like a guest speaker mm -hmm. um, there to like, you know, do a little spiel right. and then do, maybe do a Q&A and that was kind of it. And I was like, well, I'm not trying to go to like an Asian TED talk, you know? Right. So um, I just, I literally just wanted to go and hang out and meet some other Asian people like very casually. And again- That is true though. Yeah. They, they used to be more like, panel like almost yes right? yeah. yeah i'm i don't want to go to like a lecture you right. know so uh so you know i'd bitch about it all the time then i was like maybe i should not bitch about it and just like do something yeah but i like why don't i just do something like that so i thought all right i'll just i'm just gonna pick a bar pick a day yeah and um i emailed like you know all 15 asians i knew who worked in entertainment and i was like I'm, i want to do this thing so like let's all just come to this bar at this day and everybody like Tell, tell another Asian that you know. And I figured I'll probably get like, you know, I'll be lucky if I get like 20 people to go. Yeah. And fucking 50 people showed up. On the first one? First one, 50 Holy people showed shit. up. Yeah, it was crazy. No advert, no Facebook group. Literally, I emailed 15 people and said, right. bring somebody. And this was, uh, how, how many years are you going strong now? Two years? Or two and a half. Two and a half. Two and a half years. So this was yeah. the first one, and then every week from then was still pretty strong? Every or, month. I mean, I mean, every month was yeah, pretty strong. Yeah, and then every month, it was like consistently 50 people. And I used to like do it at different bars every month yeah, to like, <laughs> you know, so because like West Side people would complain, and then like yeah. Valley people would complain. So then I, I switched it around, and then I was like, what am I doing here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you, because you know, then I have to like coordinate with a different bar every month, and you know, I wanted some consistency. And then I met you, and you were. I was trying to. I was luring you into. Yes, doing you were. it there consistently, <laughs> and you to were, make it easier for me. Yes, you really, really gave me the hard sell to do it at Cafe. And Blue. the funny thing is, I was cool with it for like two, three months, and I would forget that it's an Asian mixer, and I just walk in one day regularly. <laughs> I'd be like, Why is there a hundred people here right now? You spent a month talking me into doing it at cafe blue and then when i did it you then started complaining to me 
very quickly <laughs> that you didn't want it. But you know what's anymore. funny? I think people really enjoyed that spot. Yes. For the mixer, you know? Yeah, and I have to say, like, by far, Cafe Blue was the most supportive, like, uh, they just venue. are so, yeah, yeah, so accommodating, like, such great hosts. Whereas, like, other venues act like they're doing me a favor for me to, like, right. bring business on a fucking Tuesday night. Yeah. Um, and then at Cafe Blue, it started growing really big. Then it started getting to be like 70 people, 80 people. I think the most we had was probably like around 120 people. That, that Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. I'd go and I'd, I'd mix. You know, I would go there, right? Yeah. You got the name tags, you know, I'm mixing. <laughs> I'm mixing. I met some really cool people there, too, you know. Um, and, some, uh, and then the funny thing about Cafe Blue, it actually has a history of old Asian entertainers like they yeah. go there as a regular bar. Yeah. Any time I've gone into Cafe Blue casually, there is always a Korean actor in there. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Every time. Well, yeah. I know a few. You that's, know. You know <laughs> yeah. all. You know yeah. who I'm talking about. I don't know why I'm. Yeah. Like, yeah. I know exactly <laughs> who you're talking about. Yeah. But so the Asians Entertainment, and you know what's funny? Like you started it right, kind of before the boom. Right, yeah. right before the boom, and you probably yeah. see it kind of significantly divide, maybe change, yeah. or the people or the projects that are yeah. being taught. People are a lot more hopeful and also a lot thirstier. <laughs> right. People are a lot more shameless. I mean, as, you, as you got to be thirsty. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's a time to be thirsty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're not showing the thirst, you're not going to get in, you know? And it, it's real. Like, there are opportunities there. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So these mixers are. It, it, it's they're more important than before, I guess. Yeah. You know? Um. And like you can actually come out of the mixer with a job or a connect. Yeah. As opposed to before, it might have been more of a collaboration thing. Like let's make a short together or something. And now it's like, you know, like yeah. casting me you on your show. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it is cool for people because like not only do they get to meet other people who are doing the same things as them, yeah. like who could possibly collaborate, but like people can get jobs. People have found like creative partners. Right. People have found representation there. Like that's really cool too because yeah. like managers like go. Um, so like it's it's nice that people um actually like get something out of it. You You're know, the godmother like, of that shit. Yeah, I, I see people. You know, you I have always to- have your own booth. You're always there, <laughs> surrounded by three, four. I'm like, I go up there. Hey, Jess. Hey. <laughs> I'm like, who are hey, these? You people? you came to my booth empty-handed. <laughs> <laughs> do you want a job or not? I'm like, uh, <laughs> nah, but yeah. um, uh, let me just go back into kind of your history. I don't think yeah. we've really talked about this because we just, you know. By the way, we can't move away from the mixer without me giving credit to um, my assistant, Yusong, who I forced to basically organize everything for me now. So, well, he's your, your past, you kind of passed on the torch, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's fantastic. Yeah, nah. so all credit goes to Yusong. I mean, still staying strong, so that's all you know, yeah. that needs to happen. And, um, but with you, I mean, I've never really talked to you about like, you know, how you came up as a writer or not because we're just chilling or whatnot. But um, I'm curious because you've worked on several shows that, you know, me and the homies love, whether it's Rick and Morty, Silicon Valley, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Uh, I mean, what, what's some of your history? Uh, Robot Chicken. Robot Chicken. Corporate. Um, I started in kids TV. So really? Yeah. A lot of like, that. yeah, I started at Nickelodeon. Oh, Okay. Well, I was a I was an art major, like Uh, fine arts major. I went to UCLA, and um, but uh, two quarters in, I was like, oh no, this is terrible. I don't want to be an artist. Like the because the the program at UCLA is very like like hoity toity, like high concept. Was it animation or no? No, no, like drawing and fine art. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I had to do everything. I had to do drawing, painting, photography, sculpture, blah blah blah. And it was, um, but my, but my specialty was drawing. 
And I specifically did a lot of like pen and ink. Um, but the program there, it's like very hoity-toity. It's all like very famous rich artists who teach there. And uh, two quarters in, I was like, this is a terrible mistake. I don't want to be an artist. Like the art world is very bullshit. Um, and like, we're all going to graduate. And guess what? We're not going to be showing out like Blum and Poe. We're going to be working at the art store, you know? Mm. Um, and But I didn't want to read or write during college. So I didn't switch majors. I was like, I'm just going to... I'm just going to get a degree. It doesn't like all my parents cared about was that I got a degree. Right. right so, right. uh, so I was a good Asian and I got my degree in three years, mm. got an art degree, which is already useless if you want to be an artist. Cause it's like, no one's checking for degrees. If you're trying to be an artist, you know? Yeah. They're happy you got the degree, but it was an art degree. It's like yeah. partial credit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, like brag to their friends that are graduated from UCLA, but th- we're hoping that they didn't ask yeah, like, yeah, what yeah, the yeah. major was. Um, so then, like, I have this very useless degree, um, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just know I didn't want to be an artist. Yeah. And um, so I moved to England. Oh, wow. Uh, I found out that you could get a, a six-month temporary work visa. So I applied for that. I got a temporary – a six-month work visa. I moved to London. I got a job working for this woman who opened an art gallery. And she, like, hired me on the spot because she always gets along with Libras. <laughs> And uh, some artist gallery yeah. owners. Right like, yeah, and she hired me to run her gallery. I'm like, I just turned 21, like yeah. a month ago. Wow. Just graduated college. And uh, and she hired me to run her gallery and told me I could hire two assistants. Oh, wow. It was crazy. So I'm like interviewing people who are older than me being yeah. like, why do you think you're qualified to be my assistant? Damn. That's <laughs> like pretty I'm fucking lit for asshole. a 21 year old new city. Yeah, totally. And but I was so fucking broke the whole time. Oh, the money wasn't good. It was just so I mean, it was better than if I was working as as a waitress. But it was just so expensive. I lived in like an ex council flat, which Mm. is like I mean, a council flat is like projects. You have expensive taste, I gotta say. (laughs) (laughs) But a council flat is projects and um, is housing projects. And like we had I lived in it was like a three bedroom, no living room. Mm. So it was literally you walk in as a hallway, three bedrooms and a kitchen and a bathroom. Right, right. And um, and we had, and I, you know, two roommates and we had pay as you go utilities. Oh, wow. So like the gas meter and the the water meter, um, you, you had to swipe a card. You had to go to a convenience store oh, and what? put money on the card that's and then you wild. swipe the card and that's how much gas you had. That's so if you don't like remember, like you could just run out of gas in the middle of the night and right. then you're fucked because all the convenience stores are closed. So you won't have gas until the morning when you can run down to a convenience store and put more money on your card like that's how trash these apartments were damn um never even heard of that shit yeah i know i've never i'd never seen or heard of it since like (laughs) it's it was terrible and i was there for all like the winter months too um because this is all six the span of six months yeah yeah and uh you know and i was so fucking broke like i would just Every week I would buy like a loaf of bread, a six pack of like baked beans and a yeah. wedge of cheese. And I would just eat baked beans on toast with cheese every day. Were you going out doing any like 21 shit? I like... mean, I a little bit, but not really just because yeah. I couldn't fucking afford right, it. Right, you know, right. yeah. everything was so expensive. Yeah. Um, I mean, I looking back like I wish I'd just been like, you know what? Fuck it. I'll go in debt or something and just mm. like enjoyed instead of trying to be responsible because right. I was like miserably broke you know right, right, right. um like i could only hang out if it was like at someone's house right like right. my first few months there when i had like savings from america i was like going out and then that went away in like three weeks <laughs> right, like right, disappeared right. so fast right. um 
so then my work visa ran up and I told my boss, I was like, my visa's up. I got to go. And she said, I really like you. I will sponsor you if you want to stay permanently. Oh, wow. And I said, I'd love to go back to L.A. and never return, <laughs> which is which is what I did. I like I've never been back. Since. Right, right, right. Um, and uh, but that's living in London was when I first developed a taste for scotch. Scot- I, yeah. <laughs> that's what you came back with your that's, six months. Yeah. <laughs> London experience. And yeah. I never drank whiskey. I then I thought you were about to say some shit like I, that's where I learned it myself discipline or some shit. Hell like, no, that's, where, like scotch. that's where I learned. I like scotch. Right. And I will forever be a scotch. Yeah. Drinker. And still when you go out, you're like yeah. scotch. Yeah. Yeah. Not that you would know. Cause I don't ever see you bringing me a scotch to my booth. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Now, I'm not going to get casted in She-Hulk now. <laughs> you know that. Yeah, and no, originally I was going to cast you as She-Hulk. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> All right, so wait, hold on. You, go, you come, right, back, so come to back to L.A. Which is where I grew up. So my parents live here. And uh, so I moved back in with them. Still don't know what I want to do with my life, you know. Right. But I was like, cross off, run a gallery in London, you know, off the list. And a friend of mine worked in marketing. And he was like, we need a temp for two days just a two-day temp to do some grunt work okay and i was like yeah i i need money i'll do i'll go work for two days and i went in for two days and stayed for a year okay. and every week i was like i don't actually work here like i'm just a temp guys i don't really work here i might not be here tomorrow because i'm just a temp mm-hmm. but like you know i've been there for a year I'd, i wrote their training manual for their new coordinators i was like running campaigns and so finally my boss calls me into his office and he's like you need to accept that you work here. Like, this is crazy. Like, right, this right. last year, I've been trying to put you on salary. So you would have been making three times what you're making as a temp. Yeah. I've never had to beg someone to take more money for the work <laughs> they're already doing. I'm trying to give you health benefits. I'm trying to give you a 401k. Was it just because you well, didn't want to accept that yeah. that yeah. was your thing? Because yeah. I knew that if I did, then I would get comfortable and I wouldn't, yeah. I just wouldn't figure it out, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, not that I was doing a great job staying there for a fucking year as a temp, making like eleven dollars an hour or whatever right. it was and so uh so he goes look like can you i, I want to promote you i can't because you don't legally work for us you work for a temp agency yeah so can you sign a work contract i will start you on a promotion right now and so i said i quit mm-hmm. and he was not psyched to hear that like that's not what a boss wants to hear right. when he says i'm promoting you and i didn't even have to give notice because i was a temp i was an hourly right. worker i could leave after lunch you know right. And so then I go home and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I already make so little money. I have to live with my parents. And I, I just quit. Like, what am I doing with my life? You just didn't. You you didn't know what you yeah. wanted to do. But you. I knew it wasn't that. You knew what you didn't want to do. Exactly. Yeah. And I knew that, like, dude, if, if you promote me, put me on salary, give me benefits. I'm just going to get comfortable. Yeah, that's the shit yeah. that I knew, too, back then. It yeah. was like, I, I didn't know what I want to do in life, yeah. but I knew what I didn't want to do. Yeah. You know? And it's very, very easy. It's a slippery slope getting comfortable in something yeah. you don't want to do. 100%. Because you meet so many people who are, who are in these, like, boring-ass office jobs. And yeah. you're like how did you and they're just like look i just fell into it and i kept getting promoted it's, yeah, and, and it's hard and to go stuck. backwards in lifestyle yeah. you know what i'm saying you yes. get a good salary uh-huh. that's why yeah. i chased after my dreams while i yeah. had shitty situations yes and like, you gotta do it like when you're young and yeah. you can still handle like yeah. living like a dirtbag exactly yeah it gets harder it gets harder sure. and yeah. harder and harder and your body doesn't put up with as much for stuff sure. yeah so so then here i am i'm like i'm 22 i got one foot in the grave <laughs> i got yeah. life is passing me by you know, I got one last chance. 
um, to make this shit happen. I still didn't know what I wanted to and do. And it wasn't necessarily art shit. Like, you no, were already had, removed from that. Yeah. I mean, I was really involved with, like, a lot of comic books because when I was in college, yeah. I, I grew up reading comics. When I, when I was in high school, I worked at the local comic book store. Okay. When I was in college, I uh, organized comic book conventions okay. at, my, at UCLA. So this was semi yeah. world of shit. Yeah. That passion, at least. Yeah. yeah. So I think all, like, in the back of my mind, I always had, I probably thought, like, oh, I'll probably end up working in comics in some capacity. You know? Yeah, but you probably didn't imagine like I'm gonna write. No, stuff. no. Yeah, like I thought maybe I'll make I'll put out like a little indie book that I write and draw. Like a zine and yeah, did but I'll zine. probably end up being like an editor or something, right, you know. Right. And um, or I'll, maybe I'll just organize conventions forever and work at Comic Con or <laughs> yeah, something, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. And but I didn't I didn't really have a plan. Um, but I because I'd organized those conventions in college, I became friends with all these like indie comic book guys. Okay. Um, who were like all ten years older than me. And so, and to me, it was like, you know, they were doing the thing they wanted to do. They had a passion. They had right. a career. They were established. They had a name, you know. So I basically had an intervention for myself. And I got got them all together. And I was like, guys, what should I do with my life? Yeah. And across the board, they all were like, you should write. Mm. You're a storyteller. You should write. And I was right. like, all right, I'll take your word for it. Um, so then I thought I should write for animation because, um, in animation, you know, I was like, oh, I heard that some people do all the writing and other people do the drawing. Cause at that point I was like, I just don't want to draw anymore. Right. And for some reason I didn't get it into my head yet that you don't have to draw and write. You could do one or the <laughs> other. Like you didn't have, it was a package yeah, deal. Yeah. Um, so I thought, all right, I'll do animation. It seems like a good transition from comic books. I watched a lot yeah. of animation. Like I got it, you know? So, but I didn't know anybody who worked in entertainment. So I emailed everybody I knew and I said, I've decided to be an animation writer. If you know how, tell me. And one person wrote back and was like, uh, my friend works at Nickelodeon and she says that they have a writing fellowship you can apply for. That's cool. Here's yeah. the link. So I click on the link. I read the guidelines. I Google what is a spec script. Right. And then I Google how to write a spec script. And then I got a three-day trial to Final Draft, mm. which is like the software you use to write scripts. You're like, yeah. I got three days. I got three <laughs> days to write this shit because this trial is only for That's three hilarious. days. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that, that shit is expensive. Is it, was it, uh, is it expensive when you I, – I think I got like a bootleg. Yeah. <laughs> well, back then it was like – back then it was probably like 80 bucks, okay. which was like an enormous amount of money for – Yeah, know. for just any software. You don't want to so buy shit anyway. Yeah. Software is like – Yes, <laughs> you exactly. You want to find little yeah, loopholes. like I never paid for Microsoft Word in my right, life. Right, you know? right, so right. So th that's crazy. Also, to like be living with your parents, have almost no income, yeah. to spend $80 on software is crazy. Yeah. So – so I got the three-day uh, trial, and I, I wrote a script, and I, I was like, well, it's Nickelodeon, so I better write a Nickelodeon script. So I mm. wrote a SpongeBob SquarePants spec. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. And I turned that in, and uh, it's one of those things where, like, you submit in January, but they don't tell you until, like, September whether or not you're okay. a finalist. Holy shit. So you just – life is on hold. And so during that time, I'm working as an office temp. I'm working retail. Right. And um, But, like, no plan B. I was just like, yeah. I'm just gonna see how this works out. Like, I got so one that egg, was the one, one, one <laughs> egg, one basket. Let's see what happens. Hell, irresponsible. Just, I know. <laughs> um, I mean, haven't I established a pattern that I've been very irresponsible? I feel that. I feel that. But that's hilarious. <laughs> that January through September. Oh man, I was like, I just gotta yeah, see. Like, I just gotta see. Crossing my fingers. <laughs> Okay. No so plan B. You get so so then I get the call. I'm working retail at a yeah. clothing store, and like I get the call, and they're like, "You're semifinalist. We'd like to see another script." And I was like, "I don't have another script. Like yeah. I only had three days for that final draft, man." Right. And they were like, "Okay, what have you been doing for nine months? You know." <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, so they told me I had four days to write another script. Oh, shit. Okay. So then I'm like, fuck. And then they were like, you have to make sure it's a primetime network sitcom. And I was like, fuck, double fuck. Mm. So then I write an office spec in four days. And I turn it, and I think I wrote it in like Microsoft Word or something because I didn't have that final draft anymore. <laughs> That's right. And um, so I turned it into them. They they liked, they loved it, and so they had me come in for a bunch of interviews. And uh, what was funny was it came down to four finalists, right? And they did this really mean, nasty thing where they had all four of us come in and sit in the waiting area at the same time, and they had us come in one at a time to interview. Okay. And I was like. You can't fucking schedule this. Like, this right. is so rude. Right, right, like, right. to make people wait like that. But I was the first person called in. <laughs> and so when I'm when the assistant's, like, taking me down the hallway, I said to him, I was like, okay, dude, no matter what happens in that room, when we walk out, laugh with me. And he goes, okay, totally. And so when we when we walk out of there, we're both going, <laughs> You told him that? Yeah. That's and he hilarious. totally did it. That's... And he was, like, la belly laughing with oh me as we God. walk out. And we walk past all the waiting people going. <laughs> Just fucking them up psychologically. Yeah, yeah, like... yeah, yeah. Being like, oh, my God, see you soon. <laughs> and then I got it. That's amazing. <laughs> That's that's crazy. All I, and all I had to do was ruin three lives. And what's what's the what's the program like? What is that like? So it's I think it's a little different now because this was like thirteen years ago. Yeah, and it was uh fourteen years ago, and it was um so it was a year long. It was awesome. It was a year long, and it was salaried. Oh wow! And at the time, it was they paid you forty thousand dollars a year, mm. which is a lot of that fucking is, money. Yeah, that was more than the promotion would have paid me in marketing. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Forty thousand dollars a year while and you're learning. While you're and everything, yeah. uh, all you're doing is learning, and yeah. they they pay for if you want to take screenwriting classes on the side, if you want to take like improv classes, they would pay for it. Right. If you want to take like the Robert McKee seminar, they would pay for it. Like, they were fantastic. So and that was a yeah. That's a that's if you get that spot, it's yeah. a big lucky spot. Like to oh have yeah, be in, yeah. To be in. And um and then three months into it, uh, two different Nickelodeon shows, um. Uh, offered to staff me oh wow so i just dipped early and started working as a staff writer and you've been there you were there for a minute yeah so i were i wrote on this animated show called the mighty bee for two seasons for its series run was two seasons and then um and then i started writing for this boy band show this live action boy band show called big time rush i wrote on that <clears throat> for the second season and then after right when that season wrapped, uh, one of the guys who wrote with me on the Mighty B was hired as the head writer for this Lucasfilm animated Star Wars project that ended Sick. up getting shelved that nobody knows about now. It's called Star Wars Detours. And he was hired as the head writer, so then he got me hired on that, and it was executive produced by Matt Senreich and Seth Green from Robot Chicken. Mm. So once I started working on that, they then hired me on to Robot Chicken. So just just naturally yeah. kind of making those connections. Totally. Yeah. It's just, you know, like you work with people and if you're not an asshole and you do good work, they're going to want to work with you again. You yeah, know? I feel like that's been like since I've met you. Um, I mean, it's been what, two years now? Yeah. Yeah. Probably about two years. Yeah. Right? And, and it's crazy because even in those last two years, I've. You've got you've gone from certain projects. Yeah, and it's been incredible. I mean, you won an Emmy. Well, yeah. when I met you. Yeah, like uh, six months into knowing you or yes. a year. Or because whatnot. I met you. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I didn't say it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, but that was incredible. I mean, uh, I mean, and I think like that. That is one of the, you can say that's probably in highlight. Obviously, the Emmy, but just also the cultural impact of that particular episode. You know. Yeah. I mean, that shit was crazy. You probably it's pretty didn't nuts. Expect any of that, right? Like, yeah. Well, I mean, 
such a where was the inspiration where did that come from the inspiration for that episode particularly it came from dan Harmon. it was mm -hmm. totally his idea yeah. like we were um we were doing this thing in the writer's room where we had a timer set for 50 minutes five zero mm -hmm. and so for those 50 minutes you can only talk about work you can't look at your phone you can't check email and then when that timer goes off you set a timer for 10 minutes and you get a 10 minute break do whatever you want and so you know you're watching the the clock go, you know, the yeah. countdown clock. And there was like 30 seconds left before we were going on break. So no one's going to like. Is it it's all like spitballing, you mean? Like is that for 15 or minutes? Or just like, or? yeah, or just like discussing 50. Right. 50. Yeah. 50, for, okay. It's just whatever. This is whatever. interesting. I like, like this yeah. shit. Okay. Yeah. And so, um, and you know, there's 20 seconds left before we're about to go on break. So no one's going to start a new thought because yeah. we're about to go on break. Right. And as a joke, Dan goes, oh, and uh, Rick turns into a pickle. And then and then it was like break. And then we go off on break. So we were like, haha, like funny joke, you know. Right. But he comes back from the break and he's like, I can't get the the thought out of my head. I can't get the image out of my head yeah. of a pickle with Rick's face on it. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, I I keep thinking about and and laughing at Morty going into the garage and there's a pickle on Rick's workbench and you hear Rick's voice going, Morty, turn, you know, turn the pickle over. And then Morty turns it over and it's Rick and right. Rick's like, I turned myself into a pickle. And the, like, that's, he was like, I can't get that. And so we were like, okay, I guess, I guess we're making this into and an episode. And it just escalates yes. from there. <laughs> so then we were like, okay, then what happens after that? And yeah, what happens yeah. after that? And what happens after that? And then we were like, okay, why did he turn himself into a pickle? Right. And then we had this whole like therapy thing. Like we thought it was so, it would be so funny if he like, did this such an elaborate thing just to get out of going to family therapy rather than just say like, no, I don't want to go to family yeah, therapy, yeah. you know? Um, and like, and I love, I love action movies. So I love all the action movie stuff in it, but yeah. I also love juxtaposing the action with these like very quiet therapy beats. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that's crazy. That, that was it. This is the quick yeah. pickle joke. You never know what what's going to start something. And then imagining the face. Now I can't even get the like most people. It's such a cultural phenomenon. You see yeah. the fucking face on the goddamn pickle. Yeah. And there's mad merch items and all types of shit. That, yeah. That's sick. It's a year that you get it, get nominated for the Emmy for that episode and it, you win that yeah. Emmy. That's yeah. That's crazy. Probably thinking back to that simple quick I idea. I know it is crazy. That's sick as fuck. Yeah. That's tight. Um. What I mean, do you have you had like um cats hit you up about that like just fan fanatics particularly yeah i mean that first season like that season was the first season that rick and morty hired women writers mm. and so like we got a lot of hate from like you know just like terrible gross like horrible dudes on on like twitter super bro -y, yeah like... but it's just like dumb shit you know they're just they just want to be like you guys ruined rick and morty and it's like that the women did yeah and because <laughs> yeah i mean it's because it's people who don't understand how anything works you know right right and um but also it's like it was a great fucking season like you know or also if you don't like it then fuck off so um, if they, because the season didn't go the way they wanted, they instantly blamed the women for for it. Yeah, I think they just once they found out that like women were writing for Rick and Morty, I think they would have found any reason to hate yeah. on it. Yeah, yeah, okay. But it's also like, what do I give a shit about? Like these these aren't people who do cool things or make cool things. Right, so right. like, who cares? You know. And I mean, I mean, from what I've heard, because I don't have I don't know the history of like how writers' rooms look, but mm -hmm. it, that's like a just it's almost recent that that more women have come into the writer's room, right? Like, mm -hmm. it wasn't it for yeah, a long like, time. Like, when I first started, like, more often than not, I am I was the only woman. And 
always the only person of color. And wow. uh, yeah, second half of my career, it's been getting better. But by getting better, I mean like maybe there's two women. Right. You know, but there's usually only one person of color still. <laughs> um, so, uh, I mean, so I guess you can say it's getting better, but it's. It's, it's a lot yeah, of work to it's, be done. It's slow. Yeah. 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 That, that, I, that, that was really a shocker to me, actually. You know, I yeah. not knowing about the world and coming in hearing that. Like, yeah, I was just like, I couldn't really believe that. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Well, because here's the thing: it like, if you think about it, it makes sense because most showrunners, most dudes who get to have, most people who get to have their own shows are white dudes, mm. and they're white dudes of a certain background. Usually, like a majority of them are like fucking Harvard Lampoon assholes, right? Right. You know, um, and uh, and they. What they think is funny is a certain type of humor, and it's usually coming from dudes who look like them, grew up like them, had the same friend base as them, you know? I mean, I'll even admit, too, like, when I first kind of, uh, in the last couple of years, as I'm, like, developing shows and have working with co-writers and stuff like that, I personally did not think I would choose, like, my co-writer, uh, like, a, a girl, because, like, mm -hmm. I'm in, like, a group chat with, yeah. like, seven dudes and yeah. shit every day. Yeah. You know, but I met with so many writers like for certain projects and I, I landed on more um, female writers than male. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know what it was. It was like a certain perspective or something yeah. that I kind of needed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was coming so on this one side. Yeah. And, I, and then they and then the other dudes that I link with, like we were kind of hitting the same notes. Yeah. A little but it's bit. good that you recognize that. I did recognize You know it, what yeah. I mean? Because most dude, most male showrunners traditionally, like, rather than be like, oh, I need somebody to fill in the blanks that I don't, they're like, oh, I think this dude's funny because he says all the same shit I say. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's this, like, very narcissistic, like, uh, insular thing of, like, I only want same around me. Mm. And, um, and it's like, yeah, I get it. It's comforting. It's comfortable. You know, you feel like you're with your 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 friends, you know. Right. Um. But, I mean, the here's the thing. It's like people talk about like how to solve the diversity problem all the time, and it's like, uh, uh, you know, a lot of these studios and networks, in good faith, are like trying to do things like forcing, you know, a show to like hire at least one person of color, right? Right. right. Or one woman. But the thing is, what happens is they hire one person at the lowest level of writer, which is staff writer. That's the lowest level. That's entry level. Right. That person has no power in the room. Mm. So you're hiring one person who has zero power in the room Just and thinking quota, like, like yeah, like as if that's going to make a difference, right. you know? And guess what? Like the uh, if the room is full of shitty dudes they're going to they're going to be very divisive and be like oh well you're only here to fill a quota you actually right. didn't earn it here but i did you know mm. with my fucking inherited generational wealth and my <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know and my white privilege and my male privilege and so so it doesn't actually create change and if anything like you're just creating a, a horrible environment for a person of color or a woman yeah. and then when that inevitably doesn't work out like you also create a whole bunch of horrible white dudes who are like oh well that didn't work out that's what you get mm. when you when you get for when you get forced pc you know right right um when really like to me i think the solution is like you need to give more women and people of color shows mm. like let's let them tell stories because that's the other thing too it's like if all the showrunners and show creators are one type of person right like those are the only stories getting told so then the people who can relate to those stories and know how to tell those stories because they're from those backgrounds are the only people who are the perfect person for the job right because a lot of people a lot of dumbass 
dumbass people love to argue like it should be a meritocracy like let the best person get the job but it's like okay but if you're only putting out one type of job yeah like only one kind of person is going to be the best at the job you know and so so it's not a meritocracy you Mm -hmm. know if all the people who are choosing who's the best all look the same and are the same and from the same background that's not equality like that's so stupid you know um so like to me it's like we need more people like us telling the stories because then that the the writer's room hopefully will naturally reflect that you know yeah 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 i mean that's that that's happening i think with also kind of the star power that's being put into people of color you Mm -hmm. know what i'm saying there's more star power like nora aquafina like because her name is up she Mm -hmm. has a little bit more power to throw in mad people in the writer's yeah yeah and you know like it's that's kind of what this game is about too it's like you need kind of that power yeah. like that name power yeah and i didn't realize that because i'm just out there pitching like this is just a great idea <laughs> they're like no nah, motherfucker who's attached to this yeah. shit i mean that's the thing is that people outside of the business what they don't understand is they think it's all about a, a great idea oh, and no. it's like dude ideas are a fucking dime a dozen it's like true. any idea yeah. that you can think of some like 20 people have already thought 100%. of it before and it really truly you only sell something on the promise of execution yeah like who's ex like they are they they're not buying it for the idea they're buying it because they're like i know you can actually deliver this idea i, I know yeah for sure you have mm-hmm. to have you have to hash it out further yeah. than just an idea yeah you ideas to, mean nothing yeah there's like 50 motherfuckers getting stoned right now yeah <laughs> like i got a fire idea. yeah totally and so like that was me <laughs> the pe- i mean so like the people who are all fucking precious about their ideas it's like a that tells me two things a you don't have any other ideas because mm. when people are like way too precious about one idea that means they have nothing else it's true. like i don't care like if something doesn't go for me, I'm like, I don't care. I got 2,000 other ideas. And they get super mad about yeah. somebody who actually figured out that idea and took it further. Yeah, They're totally. Like, that was my idea. Yeah. Like, no, that was a lot of people's ideas. Yeah. You just did something with it. There are no fucking new ideas, you know? Yeah. And it's just people putting spins on old things, on classic things, or just people's ability to, like, put their own flavor into an existing idea, you know? Yeah. Like, that's really the key. It's like... All, all these people who are bu- who are buyers, they they're trying to they're buying the whole package. They're not just buying an idea. They're buying like a team. They're buying the promise that someone has the experience and the talent, proven track record to right. be able to give them this this finished product. Here's here's some gems dropped mm-hmm. from once an irresponsible young twenty one year old who went to London and that and has been working now for. 13 plus years in the game and who's become a godmother such an inspirational story uh shout out to all the aspiring young chinese writers out there uh and only the aspiring chinese writers i'm an ally no 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 other aspiring writers should be inspired by this jessica gives me shit because she thinks i'm a fake ally of the chinese but actually we've formed a quite a bond a, a chinese korean alliance right, we have because i you're very korea town yes you know you're a chinese person but yes. you're very korea town yes. too, which which i fuck with yeah you've been in the neighborhood super long you yep. throw your mixers here yep uh you're very knowledgeable of korean culture it's true and i feel like i haven't reciprocated that enough no. of the chinese culture yeah but you are educating me a lot in the last. <laughs> I know you got to spend your first Chinese New Year's with me. Yeah, yeah, and then um, I've been invited to several dinners, yeah, uh, gatherings of other fellow Chinese creatives. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why. I'm t- <laughs> I don't know why I, you're I you're like, talking like this is a fucking UN. It's like, fucking weird. I don't know. Talk. Yeah, yeah. It's, I sound like such a fucking noob, but uh, 
<laughs> We've had some arguments too, um, and we're gonna go yeah. into that. One of the famous arguments uh, yeah. of has been the jajangmyeon argument, which is um, black paste. What is black, black paste? bean black sauce? Be- <laughs> you see, I'm already fucking up yeah. my argument. The black bean sauce noodle dish. Yeah. Um, and that we the ha- Chinese we- invented. Yeah, yeah. We both have it in our cultures. Mm-hmm. Our, our version is a Korean Chinese, the uh, yeah. Korean. Uh, like remix yeah, yeah, yeah. of the of the dish. Yeah. In um, Chinese it's called jajangmyeon, yeah. which sounds almost, almost the, the same. same. Almost the same. But um And it literally means fried sauce noodles. Oh god, I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but the two versions are different. Yeah. And that's that's where the problem lies cuz you yeah. like your version. Yep. And for Well, s- you okay, here's the thing though. You've been talking about your version of jajangmyeon, and then you were like, "I'm gonna take you to I did a take spot," it. I forget, yeah, I forgot and that. it was you hated it. trash. It was trash, which was really surprising to me because I didn't think you would think it was trash. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would think like, "Okay, this is not for me." I see what yeah, they're trying yeah, yeah. to do here. You were just like, "You trashed it. You straight trashed it." It was so gross, dude. I don't. Okay, so you don't like the super lathered up sauce? Okay, what I didn't like. Okay, first of all, it was. Filled to the brim excessively with onions, and so that and then the sauce was really sweet, and there was no meat in it. Mm. All of those things. Those are okay. I, I don't. I just thought it was because what I noticed with the Chinese version, the sauce doesn't really cover up, lathers it like. Yeah, yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It's yeah. a little bit. More. But I actually like it lathered when it's when the sauce tastes good. Right. But you know, like we always make it. At least in my family, we always make it with meat. You know. Yeah, I, I noticed the sauce is a little bit more meat heavy yeah, on the Chinese yeah, yeah. version. Oh yeah. Because when you see the the sauce just like laying on the top of it, yeah. it looks more meaty. Yeah, totally. I, I see. I see your point. There. Yeah. Okay. So you know, next move is I'm gonna take you somewhere. Yeah, to I want to try Chinese jajangmyeon. Because yeah. I've tried it once and it wasn't my cup of tea. Yeah. So maybe you know we gotta we gotta. Round two. Okay, yeah. fine, but but I don't know who took you to 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 try your first one. Uh, it was just like a Bay Area. I went to the mm. Bay Area, but it was a pretty official spot. That's why yeah. I was like, maybe this isn't my thing, you know. But what? what, what all right, know? all right. We we each get one do over. Yeah, we yeah. get two over. I mean, you 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 know you you're definitely an ally of the Korean community. <laughs> so I got. I, I know you really have to reciprocate because you're not doing half the shit that I do. No, I always tell people like mm-hmm. I grew up here in Koreatown and I didn't have a lot of Chinese friends growing up. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And because there's six two six. Yeah. And I'm not from there. And yeah. I went to high school like around here and shit. So, it, I, the last couple of years I made a gang of Chinese homies. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of you, you and was, your crew. Yeah. Was was Jimmy the start of it? No, no, no. Jimmy wasn't. St- I had, I had, um, co- like, I had two Chinese friends growing up. You know, yeah. like my gal. Was oh one yes, of- my gal, my cousin. I, yeah, exactly. I was, like, I told him to come to be a co-host today, and he was like, "I look terrible." I was like, "What? Why do you? What the fuck? What's he got to be vain about? <laughs> I don't understand. Just cover your face with a fucking Y three ski mask. Music producer, so fucking insecure. <laughs> no, I get it. But uh, yeah, I, I, I was doing shows with um Mike since I was like a teenager in L A and shit. Um. But he was like the only. F- mm-hmm. But I never even thought about you know Chinese. Like you know, when you're yeah, young, yeah, you yeah. don't care about that. And yeah. We're just in music and shit. And then, uh, but the last couple of years, like there was like the Chinese squad. Like I'm in yeah. the only Korean you are. in the squad. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> so that was interesting. I mean, Nora, I met Matt years ago, and she was. I was kind of her introduction to Korean shit because mm-hmm. she was. Right. She grew up Chinese. Yeah. You know? So. She started hanging out with me and, my, you know, my homies, and we're in Korean karaoke all of a sudden. And she's like, what is going on? This is some new shit. But she liked it. I mean, you know, she liked Korean food and shit. But 
Uh, anyways, um, hopefully. Yeah. Well, I grew up with Korean Chinese, you know, like. What like, do you mean? Like ethnically Korean Chinese people. Okay. Like, like they're basically like, you know, 10th generation Korean, but who have been in China for generations. Oh, you know? okay, okay. There's like a big population yeah, of. The ones of, that make my version of the Chajang now. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I, you know, I, I grew up with a lot of people like that, where they're, like, both Korean and Chinese. Where, like, what area is that? Well, no, it was more more because my parents' best friends are, oh. are Korean Chinese, so, like. Wait, didn't, didn't you took a 23 and me. Yeah, I did. And, you, I didn't bring it because you always hate it. No, 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 I want to hear You always it. give me shit well, for bringing it up. we got to do it, it for the podcast, right. so what is, what's your results? I'm 21% Korean. 21% Korean. That's a lot. That's a quarter, almost a quarter. That. Is that a lot for like a twenty three million result to have like a that's almost surprise a quarter. like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that that's is almost a quarter. That's almost a quarter, dude. That's pretty wild. Yeah. So then I called up my mom and I was like, I would have bet when I did twenty three and me, I would have bet money that I was like ninety eight percent Chinese. Yeah. And uh, and so when I got that twenty one percent, I was shocked. Yeah. Um, and I called up my mom and I was like, Hey, I did twenty three and me, and it says I'm twenty one percent Korean, and she was like, Oh, that's your dad. I have nothing to do with that. <laughs> What so if you found the results out yeah. and then you went to go eat jajangmyeon with me like yeah would you have been like I could learn to love this like, hell no <laughs> you know what's interesting is like with the twenty three me you know with all kinds of people like discovering parts of themselves yeah. it's like look like I don't because people were asking me they were like do you do you feel like you can claim yourself as like part Korean now yeah. and I'm like no because. Because I think that your racial identity is like comes from two factors. Oh, for sure. One is if you were raised in the culture. Yeah, yeah. I was not raised in Korean culture, and um, and two is if the world treats you and receives you as that culture too. You know, Ooh, that's great. I like your like, yeah. That's, that's interesting. And it's both. You know, so for like a lot of people who are like maybe they look ethnically ambiguous or like they're white passing or something like that they like you know it's they don't have both of those right like so that you know the the racial identity is much more complicated and layered than I, just i agree with yeah. you that second uh uh um thing you said was uh about how the the way mm -hmm. the world perceives you know yeah. what i'm saying so to me it's like that's why I think it's important that a lot of Asians understand that within the groups too, because yeah. we we're like racist to each other. Oh you know yeah, what I'm totally, saying? And totally. And you know, you see shit like about like right now about yeah. with the coronavirus shit. Yeah. I, I said something on Twitter about this because I saw people that I I I saw people coming out like showing their racism like that I didn't expect. You know, like mm -hmm. even within the Korean community, motherfuckers like yeah. saying some shit like. Denying their oh, Chinese. Oh, yeah, and totally. Shit. And like, uh, have you seen the pictures from Korea where they're holding up signs saying, yeah. like, close the border to China? I mean, but it's like, yeah, here, you know yeah. what I'm saying? I'm like, you're Korean American or whatever, Chinese American. It's like, yeah. do you think you're, you're like out here, like, yeah, safe but you know what? Shit? Asians love being racist. That's like their favorite thing. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I, I think they love like clarifying, like, <laughs> I'm this. <laughs> like, <laughs> But it's like to me, I, yeah. I feel like I know this more than a lot of people because I come from the battle rap world. Mm -hmm. So when I did these battle rap things, yeah. they weren't hitting me with specific Korean jokes. It was a it was just all it was a salad of <laughs> of racist jokes. A fucking Sizzler salad it was, bar. It was like, a bit, like I'm gonna hit you with a fu line. I'm gonna oh, hit you man. with this Korean line. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. but that's it. Really helped me understand what the perception of the average person is about Asian people. Yeah, and it, I think and that was that was important for me to yeah. understand that and understand like 
bro, I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm an elite uh, yeah. Asian. I'm, I'm safe from this thing or that yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. You know, motherfuckers do not have time to categorize you, you know, right now. They're yeah. not advanced enough to do that yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Adva- okay, well, advanced, sure. <laughs> That's an interesting word choice. Well, I was just saying, yeah, yeah. They, they haven't updated their software. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, their racism software. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> It, like if it, if there was a racist dude super specific with my shit, I'd be like kind of impressed and offended at the same time. Like, God like damn. he took the time to learn your culture so he can hate it accurately. Like he's like racist about a region I'm from in Korea. I'm like, God damn. You'd have to give him some respect. Yeah. For that. <laughs> like, I didn't know I'm from that province. Like, <laughs> Go back to your province. Like, God damn. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know where I, I lost. Them. Uh, so wait. All right. What else are you working on besides? Is that you have to kind of just that's your thing? Like you know, that's how yeah. the jobs work. Writing, writing jobs, right? Like yeah. I mean, in TV, it kind it is like if you're doing something like this. I mean, it's kind of all encompassing. Right, and it's Marvel, so like you gotta be all in. Yeah. And they take care of you, obviously. The Rolex. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's not the Rolex I wanted, okay? Because what the Rolex I want is I want a fucking gold president. You were about to like go in, but you stopped yourself. I remember you told yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. Was it was a little significantly more. I wanted a starter Roly. <laughs> let me let me see it. What? It's a. That's nice. It's a Datejust. It's a is 19- that black in the back. There? Yeah, it's oh, a 1989 Datejust with a tapestry dial. So see how it looks kind of pinstriped. That's the tapestry dial. Oh God. This is a gold and stainless steel Jubilee band. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the Jubilee band. <laughs> oh, I hate you. You know, what's, I know, what's, you know what's funny is like I uh, never really cared about watches. And then about like two years ago, like something aw- awakened in me. Yeah. And I was like, I got to get a fucking gold Rolex. Right. And, and Ronnie Chang said, it's in your blood. <laughs> Yeah, weren't we like at the table for dinner the other time and uh, Jimmy has watches too? Jimmy has, okay, yeah, Jimmy and Ken like were the ones like really, really pressuring me. Ken Chang, who's another yeah. writer, were both uh, pressuring me really, really hard to join the Roly Club. I, I love seeing it though because yeah. y'all are like, come, you, you know, y'all come from the grind and yeah. the hustle with it, you know. Seeing that transition yeah. is great. We're all immigrants. It was the same shit yeah. with me. And, like, Nora was living in a shitty little fucking apartment in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Like, I roomed with her a couple months, you know, and I remember yeah. the way she was living. She was just, you know, only wearing thrift shit. Yeah. You know, she was like a hipster thrift chick or whatever. Yeah. And all of a sudden, like, because there's this documentary wherein I always make fun of this situation because they do uh, an update on us, like, four years later from, yeah. the, from the grind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we call it the evil Aquafina at the end because she's just like <laughs> everything looks significantly nicer. The shit she's wearing, she has a cat, a fucking maid in the background. Like, <laughs> but I love seeing that because yeah. I'm I'm I was a gritty kid in the grind too, you know. And yeah. you get a little money, you wanna you know enjoy a little couple nice things. Of course, here yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let me tell you, this watch was the fucking talk of Christmas at my family. Like, that's all people wanted to talk about. The. Uh, the have you like flexed a little like gift, like a super nice gift for your mom or something like that? Or no, I mean I fucking pay their mortgage. That's good yeah, enough, yeah. you know. I kind of feel the same way, Loki. <laughs> I feel the same way. I do yeah. the same shit. So I'm like, damn, like Christmas gift, like <laughs> Christmas is all year, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I, that's so funny. I kind of feel the same way. Yeah, they're, well, they're doing the the immigrant parent thing now, where they're like, we're not ce- we're not doing Christmas gifts, we're not doing like birthday gifts, like we're not celebrating. Like we're on- they only want to celebrate their birthdays when it's like each decade, right? You know, 
Yeah, my my par- I feel like they my my parents like when I give them money for rent and shit like that. Yeah. But when I try to give them like a Gucci wallet or something yeah. like that, they're like, "Why the fuck you waste? Give me the cash." Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like they don't. My mom don't like that shit. I, yeah. I feel like I don't know. I really thought she would. Yeah. You know, but she was just like, "You should." I mean, my mom likes like likes that stuff, but it, it's really funny because it's like. You know, she still got that like old school, like '80s immigrant kind of mentality. Like she doesn't even know like the the higher higher end labels. Yeah, like, yeah. like that's how you know. You know, it's like it, it, she doesn't know like Hermes or like Celine yeah. or you know Van Cleef and Arpel. She just wants Coach or what? Like, she's beyond she wants, Coach. Okay, okay. She, she, she's she a used bit. to she used to be into Coach, but now she's very like like smug about it and is like, I don't like Coach. Like I don't Lu- use Louis Coach. or Gucci. Yes, now it's okay. like Louis and Gucci. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, totally. I feel you. But yeah. there's, there's the next level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she hasn't even like she still doesn't know what the next level That's is. Good. Don't yeah, introduce yeah. him to that. Hell, you think I'm trying to introduce? I'm not trying to introduce that kind of stress into my life. Bag, hell hell no. no. Fuck that. <laughs> I'm not at that level. I know. Are we at that level? I don't think we're at the level no, yet. Hell no. no. That's another level. I barely just got out of only buying things at the outlet mall. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like the like the last two years are the first two years where I actually bought like full retail. I price do feel stuff. like I caught you right you in the transition. Me right. Yes, you did. You I, did. I feel like maybe even the first time, first day I met you, you weren't even fully no, there no, no, yet. No, 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 yeah. no. Because it was after I met you that I started like buying like full retail, like actually going to the for reals like Beverly Hills store instead I of going that. to like an outlet. You were wearing some vintage shirt when I first met you yeah. and then there was some new shit happening. Yeah, 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 yeah. You caught me right on the like <laughs> precipice of me becoming a, a horrible person. Oh my god, that's fucking <laughs> hilarious. Uh well Jessica Gao, an inspiration. Yeah. I thought we were gonna fight more, but no nah, but we nah. really kept it civil. No, it was it was great. Yeah. No war is over. It's you know? over. I mean it's still going, yeah. but you know, we have a treaty right now. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ceasefire. Yeah, this is the this is the DMZ for us. Um but um, I mean, you've done some amazing work since I've met you. You've won an Emmy for Pickle Rick. You've gone on to uh, you had a deal with ABC, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, now you're working on your dream project, She Hulk. Yeah, I'm excited to see where you're gonna go in next year's, and I'm excited to follow you on that journey. Hopefully, be casted on one of those things. <laughs> so we're on this journey together, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I'm excited where we go together. Oh, oh together. Yeah, Always I, I, yeah, now. It, oh, we're bonded for life now? The industry needs us. You know what I'm saying? They need this alliance. <laughs> oh, it's us now. We're the only hope to, for this alliance yeah. between the Chinese and Koreans, you know? <laughs> um, I mean, this Koreatown is, you know, it's a yeah. it's a collaboration now with the Chinese and Korean, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I'm here. And I, Look, I've lived in Koreatown longer than I've lived anywhere in any other city. That's amazing. Yeah. I, no, I know. You've been here for quite a while. 13 like, years. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's more than a lot. A lot of people can say yeah in, in this region yeah. of los angeles yeah. right so you know you're the og you're the pioneer chinese here <laughs> you know <laughs> you're the only probably back then yeah it was like you're i chinese. i have ner- noticed over the last few years so many more chinese people oh, yeah. here yeah I mean, it's we, really crazy all the restaurants in, yeah you know in the plaza and stuff in um, all the grocery stores yeah 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 so i mean um maybe you started yeah well, i brought the wave you, you i was like guys it's safe you're the Columbus. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, well, uh, well, <laughs> I don't need Yeah, all right. How do you normally end your po- oh, by the end way, the podcast, man? This is the history of Koreatown. <laughs> this is literally yeah, the first settlers it. of Koreatown. Oh. Uh, I'm going yeah. to give it to You're you. You're going to give this to me? To you, yeah. Oh, my God, so I can put it in my house? Yeah, I want you to just read up on I on love your, it. Re- are you going to quiz? Did you even read this? Jessica Gao is in here somewhere. You did. First Chinese. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know what? The last page of this should be you and me shaking hands underneath the Koreatown arch. The book isn't done yet. It's We're not adding done. chapters to <laughs> there's this an book. M- there's a blank page at the end for you and me to add it's stuff. It's going to be fun. We'd be cutting a ribbon somewhere and <laughs> shit of a new Chajangman place. <laughs> a hint of Korean influence, a hint of Chinese. Oh, man. Um, check out Jessica Gao. I'm looking forward to She Hawk Project. Mm-hmm. That's the next thing. When is it supposed to come out? I don't know. <laughs> oh, I don't, don't know. know. I don't know. And they don't know either, right? Yeah. But, okay. But She-Hulk on Disney Plus. Um, and uh, yeah, look out for hopefully something. We could do something together in the near future. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tune in next week for another episode of Fun With Dumb. Yee.